Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we're talking about what to do with your new puppy. A lot of these uh, principles that I'm gonna address today could be done with any age dog. So if you have a new rescue or you've inherited a dog from a family member, whatever the case is, you can apply these same principles to them as well. But let's jump into what to do with your puppy and for that matter, what not to do. Having a new puppy can be a super exciting experience, but I think a lot of people kind of have rose-colored glasses on when it comes to new puppy ownership, meaning, you know, they don't really think about the hard parts. First thing you wanna do is set up an appointment with your vet so that they can check out your puppy and make sure that they're healthy. Um, when you do take your dog to the vet, make sure you're not letting them walk around on the floor, uh, carry them in your arms, and bring some baby wipes with you so that you can wipe off their paws after they leave the vet, right before they get in your car. If you're wondering why we would do this, this is to help avoid contraction of illnesses and because a lot of things are either picked up by the paws and then you know when they lick their paws that's how they get sick you don't want your dog getting into another dog's line of sight and reach because that can cause problems you know the other dog could become reactive or your dog could become defensive what have you so just head all of those situations off and if for whatever reason you have a large breed dog make sure you have them on a short leash so they can't get away from you and they're right at your feet as far as vaccinations go, you are definitely not going to hear from me that they aren't necessary. Yes, there are holistic options, um, but the thing about vaccinating your puppy and what makes it so important is we already have rogue strains or what most would consider mutations of a virus that we've seen before. So why does this apply? So the reason that I recommend vaccinating a puppy is because if you don't and they don't have the antibodies built up and build an immunity to the illnesses that already exist, they're not only at risk for those illnesses, but they have the ability to pick up what we refer to as a rogue strain, which is largely compiled from dogs that haven't been vaccinated, which get a mutated strain of the virus. Sometimes they're asymptomatic, but they are still carriers of it. And often the owners don't even know they're sick with it. So they continue exposing the dog. And this causes long-term problems, especially for puppies because they're so young and their systems are so fragile that they're at the most risk. Those and senior dogs are at the greatest risk because they haven't got the same immunity that an adult dog would have. As far as you know, vaccinating further down the line, rabies is required every year by law. Plenty of owners who do not vaccinate every year, they just vaccinated their puppies, but the owners that didn't vaccinate their puppies, unfortunately can run into becoming a statistic. And nobody really wants to be part of that statistic, especially when it's avoidable. If you got your dog from, say, the Humane Society, it's likely that most of the vaccines have already been completed for the puppy series. Uh, if you got your dog from a breeder, it's it's generally customary to have anywhere from two to three shots done in the series, depending on how long they keep your dog. So make sure you have a record of when those vaccines were done so you can stay on target and not miss your windows for boosters. I'm all for using holistic options whenever possible, uh, but when it comes to your first puppy shots, I don't see any reason to be taking that risk. More recently, I've heard of owners going, well, my dog's never been sick. Well, that may be, but that's in the category of anecdotal evidence. That's not the same as scientific evidence. You know, I'm not making any money from a pharmaceutical company by recommending that you vaccinate your dog with puppy shots. That's just good dog ownership. 
it's bad enough that your dog can get sick even when they've been vaccinated. So in my opinion, it's not worth the risk. Next thing up is what not to do with your dog. Your new puppy is at risk for anything that is contracted via exposure. So with that in mind, you wanna keep them out of public places that are heavily dog friendly. Pet stores are fun to take your dog, but I never do that until the shot series is completed. Uh, it isn't, again, worth the risk. And there's another reason for this. So a lot of times we talk about exposure from dog to dog, but then there's the risk of somebody whose dog at home or a neighbor's dog that they've pet is not vaccinated, may be sick, and then they go to pet your dog, and then you've unknowingly exposed your dog to the same risk. Most dogs have completed their puppy shot series by 15 weeks, and after that, I usually give it an extra week, and then I start taking them out and about to get them socialized. But before that time, the only option I would really consider is an in-home class where a trainer could come to you. And in that case, I would still make sure that we've gotten at least you know, two shots under our belt and they're not bringing over a dog of their own. It would even be better if first thing in the morning you have your appointment before they've been exposed to other dogs. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of dogs get sick with well-intentioned owners. And like anything else, you know, they're just as at risk as a small child, maybe even more so because we don't know as much about all dog illnesses. And often people won't take a newborn baby to like a Chuck E. Cheese, but we would take our dog to the equivalent of that at a pet store. So avoid those environments until your dog has completed its shot series. And if training right off the bat is important to you, which I always advocate, then you can hire an in-home trainer, have them come to you, but know that if you wait until you know the 15, 16 week mark when they've completed their shot series, you can take them to a group class. Uh, you can take them to a dog friendly business or restaurant, what have you. On the topic of socializing, you wanna be careful. If you have a friend or a relative that has a dog and you want them to play together, take a few things into account. First of all, has that dog been exposed to other puppies? If so, and the interactions went well, fantastic. The other thing you need to think about is the size difference. If one dog is a lot larger than the other, that can be intimidating to a puppy. So I do things in small segments. Sometimes I just expose them for a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes, and then I call it because there's no sense in flooding their emotion set. And it can be so overwhelming that it can actually cause deeper issues down the line. So if there's a huge difference in size from your dog to their dog, keep that in mind. You know, if a giant were trying to be friends with you, you'd probably be a little nervous. Now let's talk about a life-saving cue that you're definitely gonna need. And the earlier you start, the easier it is to install and maintain. And that's come when called. You'll hear me talk about come when called over and over and over because unfortunately I've heard way too many stories about dogs getting out of the yard and injured or worse. So come when called is something you can start immediately. It's very easy to train, especially with puppies. And all you have to do is say their name and then shake a bag of treats. And when they get to you, which they'll likely trot right over, then you give them a bunch of treats. This is a very easy association, and that's really important with puppies, is simplicity. Practicing it over and over throughout the day means that you're ensuring that when they hear their name and the word come, they're heading in your direction. Practice this all over your home. You can start with the dog right in front of you and then start hiding behind doors and things like that so that the dog has to search you out, which is great 
to start developing directional hearing. And it's also great because it teaches the dog to be more observant of his surroundings. Then you can focus on things like, you know, practicing in your front yard and your backyard where it's a controlled space. But while a lot of trainers will teach your dog sit before anything else, come when called is what's going to save their life. So focus there, practice that a lot, and you can always add to their repertoire. The next thing you wanna tackle, and this will probably start within the first 24 hours you have your puppy, is crate training. If you Google crate training, you're gonna find a ton of tutorials on how to do it. And I highly recommend crate training because while it may not be something you've done in the past, it's definitely a helpful step. It can help you with house training. It can protect your dog when you're absent from like chewing on cords or ingesting something that you will not see, not know about. And it also helps when you're exposing a new dog to another dog because there's a barrier between them which keeps them both safe. But sometimes if they're gonna go into a scuffle because of a hierarchy issue that hasn't been established yet, the best thing you can possibly do is make sure that when you're not around to monitor it, they're not getting at each other. Then you're gonna wanna do what's referred to or what I refer to as structured feeding. And I'm actually going to post a video on what that looks like today. You can go ahead and click the link in the show notes to view that video. It'll be on our Facebook which is facebook.com slash podcast. So you can view the video there. It'll also be on YouTube. So I'll add that to the show notes as well. So you can easily find the videos. What structured feeding really does is it starts installing some self-control right from the get-go. It also adds value to you and your leadership in a non-invasive, non-combative way. You know, even owners who have had their dogs for years and years, if they are having issues with their dog listening to them or listening to other people in the home, Doing a structured feeding can really head off those issues and reset. As far as what you can give your dog, I don't recommend raw hides, but I do recommend, you know, deer antlers or Kong toys that are filled with cheese or peanut butter. Um, another great one for dogs that are huge chewers are marrow bones. You can buy them at the pet store, but you can also find them at your local butcher counter. You can just ask, they call them soup bones at the butcher counter, and those are great. I always recommend that you, when you first give them to your dog, are there to watch them and monitor them, but they don't splinter, so you don't have the same risks as you might have with your dog ingesting, say like a chicken bone, which is a big no-no. Acceptable things to chew on provides a good distraction from them chewing on your furniture, on their dog bedding, uh, on your windowsills, just anything that they might have access to. So this will kind of stop that process from becoming an all out problem. So now let's talk about puppy food. I don't have a specific one I'm going to recommend, but I will tell you about things to look for. So when you have different breeds, they all have different needs. And as a result, you know, and then they also have certain things that they could be more susceptible to an allergic reaction versus other blends of food. But I always say stay away from grain. So grain-free diet, is your first thing to look for. You want to avoid corn and wheat gluten. You want to avoid meat and grain meals and byproducts. Anything that says BHA or BHT, ethoxyquin, food dyes, blue, red 40, yellow 5 and 6, and then 4 MIE. You also want to avoid propylene glycol and rendered fats. Ideally, you want to choose a food that was made in the U.S., has natural preservatives like vitamin C and E or no preservatives, and human grade ingredients. 
That last one is going to be really hard to find because most pet foods will not put that on their label as most dog foods are not human grade consumption level. So that's something to be mindful of. You also want to avoid foods that have flour in them or artificial colors of any kind. I mentioned, you know, the red dye and blue dye and yellow dye. So things like that. And also you want to avoid anything with sugar alcohol. And I'm actually going to post a link from Homes Alive that goes in into each of these in depth so that you can kind of compare that with what you've got, what you might be buying, and you'll know in advance what to get. The last thing I want to talk about is probably the most important part of having a new puppy, and that's the bonding experience. If you're going to be absent a lot of the time, your dog is going to be craving the attention that it got from its litter mates, from its previous handler, from mom. So if you have a nine to 10 o'clock job, then it's not an ideal situation for a puppy or really any dog, but especially puppies, because their instinct to be pack oriented and included is very strong. So you can end up with dogs with separation anxiety or obsessive compulsive disorders because they're craving attention that's lacking. So be realistic about the needs of a puppy. Don't just get a puppy because you want a puppy. Make sure that you have the time to devote to training, to providing adequate housing for the dog. You want to make sure that you kind of have stability within your life, both financially as well as living conditions. If you feel like you're going to be a transient kind of nomadic person, that can be really stressful on a dog. And you never know if your dog is one of the dogs that does not pick up and change environments well until it happens. So make sure you have some level of home stability and that you're available to the dog and that you're definitely going to invest your time and money in training because without those things, you're going to end up with behaviors cropping up that could have been avoided. You're going to end up with a dog that may not be well socialized. You're going to end up with potty training issues, just a slew of things that can all be avoided by the proper guidance and professional training, which I've mentioned in other episodes, positive reinforcement works great for that. Also, if you haven't already, you might want to check out Pat McConnell's book, The Other End of the Leash. It's excellent. It talks about behavior and our relationship with dogs and how one can feed the other. So definitely check that out. It's available on Amazon. And she has another book called The Puppy Primer which I think is a fantastic book as well. So if you're if you have a new puppy, that's a good read for you. Okay. In our next show, we're actually getting a guest on who has two dogs at home and we're going to be chatting about dog drama and bad dog owners and what that looks like. He's super funny, so I know you guys are going to love listening to him and you'll be able to check that out tomorrow. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. I'm going to post the link in our show notes as well. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the higher ratings we get, the more exposure we get. So I want to make sure that this podcast reaches as many dog owners in the very same situation that you're in as possible so that people can write in, share their stories, ask their questions, tell us about their dogs, and continue growing our podcast community. I'm going to include those links in the show notes along with directions on how to rate us on iTunes. So please do that. And in the meantime, this has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste.